Welcome to the Wake and Take Podcast. On today's show, we talk with former star quarterback from St. John's University, Jackson Erdman. He was an absolute baller in D3 football. We talk about his rise from playing for his dad in high school to going to Penn State for a year to transferring to St. John's and now moving on to hopefully become a Minnesota Viking in the future. Uh, we talk about all of that with Mr. Erdman. Fantastic interview with him. Then we talk a little Masters and recap the historic win for Hideki Matsuyama, first Asian-born player to win at the Masters, what that means for his country, and what that means for him. Big-time stuff there. Then we wrap the show with some big news from the Timberwolves and a potential new ownership group. All of that today on the Can Take Podcast. There is a house in New Orleans They call the rising sun And it's been a ruin of many a poor boy And God, I know I've won We now welcome on a former St. John's legend Jackson Erdman, he threw for 139 career touchdowns, over 11,600 passing yards in his time at St. John's. He was the winner of the Gallardi Trophy, which is basically the Heisman for D3 football. He's an absolute legend in the Mayak and in Minnesota, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Jackson. Thanks for being here. Hey, I'm honored. Thanks for having me, guys. Jackson, let's start with high school. You went to Rosemont. You were a three-year starter for the football team there, and your dad was the head coach. That's that's kind of a movie storyline, and you got to live it. What was that experience like? I loved it. I mean, so many people always ask me, like, did you hate it? Or, like, how was having your dad? And, you know, I, I loved it because we had that relationship, and it was a good dynamic, like, coming home. It, it'd still be a lot of football, but, like, it wasn't just all football, you know? Like, he was both my dad and the coach, and he did a great job at balancing that. And, you know, just having an input, like, I didn't really care. Like, I'd always be like, Dad, we should do this or, like, run this, you know. So, like, I wasn't, like, you know, intimidated or scared or, you know, I, I liked the head coach. And that's so important. And that really dictates, like, whether or not people have a good football experience. So, overall, I loved it and, you know, cherished every moment we had together. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge connection, coach and, and quarterback. I mean, that's probably the most connect- most important connection and maybe – all of sports, but I'm sure at least that first year there were some people saying, oh, he's just starting because his dad's the head coach. Was that hard at all? And how long did it take? Did it maybe only take a game to prove like, hey, I, I'm the best quarterback at this school. There's a reason why I'm starting uh, right now, not not because my dad's the head coach. Yeah, yeah, that was easily like the toughest part about it. And my dad, like all throughout growing up, he's been really good at like not showing favoritism, which I'm super glad he did because I don't want to be like, you know, the exactly like um always only playing because he's a coach and have everyone hate me you know so I, I was very like you know happy he raised me that way and everything and my sophomore year when I took over the starting position it was actually from a senior quarterback who was like very well liked and everything you know so it was but at the same time like we we're struggling we we're in a losing record I think the last game he started he threw like four or five interceptions and they're like all right like Jackson's doing well on JV they gave me the start we ended up winning and that year, we actually turned the season around and ended up going to, I think it was the state semifinals in the Metrodome back when that was up. So, I mean, they didn't really care because we were winning, but at first, it was a little bit of that, like, backlash, oh, he's only playing because of that. 
Yeah. And you had, you had a great high school career at Rosemount, obviously. And from there, uh, you go to Penn State for football um, for one year before transferring to St. John's. What made you choose Penn State initially? And what was your experience like um, at the home of the Nittany Lions? So I was only there for actually a semester. It was literally okay. one semester, and I loved it there. What made me go there is, like, coming out of high school, I wasn't too, like, heavily recruited, to be honest. Yeah. And I actually, like, like, I've always wanted to play D1, and, like, the Gophers weren't giving me much interest and everything. So I actually did a lot of, like, outreach. Like, I just copy-pasted emails of coaches, sent them my film and everything, and Penn State was one of the few that got back to me and got me an official visit and offered me a preferred walk-on. So it was actually just them and Iowa State were the two D1 schools that gave me, like, a preferred walk-on. Okay. And, w- and what was your experience there like for a semester, like you said? I loved it. You know, I love Happy Valley. You know, State College, it, it was incredible. It was fun. You know, big D1 football is a pretty cool experience. But, um, you know, Penn, like, the reason I transferred was Penn State is traditionally more so like a pro-style offense. I was there with Christian Hackenberg, and they switched mm-hmm. offensive coordinators when I was there, and they're kind of bowling the offense around, you know, Saquon, Trace McSorley, kind of a dual threat, and you know, us tuition was shit ton, you know. So like, <laughs> switching up the offense doesn't really suit me, and you know, this is just like I'm gonna come out here at like six that, you know, if I stay. Like I loved it, loved the school, but um, yeah, I just ended up making switch to. Yeah, so I, I didn't even think about that. You were at Penn State when Saquon was still was still there. Yeah, so we were the same class. Oh wow, that's I don't know how the interaction would work with a preferred walk-on quarterback, and I'm assuming he was a huge recruit coming out of high school, just being yeah. the amazing player he was. Did you ever have any, any interactions with him, or what's the story? Yeah, there? a lot actually. I mean, like as a freshman, like it wasn't too much of like you know walk-on scholarship like disparity and everything. Like yeah. It was a good dynamic, and, like, the freshmen pretty much always had, like, dinner together, like, at the cafeteria every night. The, it was football-only cafeteria, but, you know, we always sat together. Yeah. Um, he was a great person, just on and off the field. Like, he was obviously, like, a rising star, and, like, he didn't start off the year starting, but, you know, when he got in, he was like, holy shit, like, this kid's good. And then, so, like, I kind of got to see that, like, his first um, season. Like, he was humble off the field, just great person, so – and that's always cool to see, you know, too, when people are, like, dominating the field, and especially, like, literally, like, big man on campus, you know, but still humble and respectful to everyone. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I have utmost respect for him. Yeah. Did you get to uh, be on the sideline? I mean, I'm sure you did. Were you maybe dressed, or did you get – what was your kind of your role in the whiteout game that year? Because that had to be just an absolutely insane experience, 117,000 or whatever it is packed into Beaver Stadium, just an electric atmosphere. What was that like being on the field for that? Oh my gosh, crazy. And like we, they dressed everyone for home games. I wasn't on the track. Um, so I was, I dressed for all the home games and just running out that tunnel is insane. Like if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you guys have, but like just go on Twitter, white out, like they sing Sweet Caroline, just running out. It was insane. I knew I wasn't going to play, but I was like nervous. I'm like, oh, like this is <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's to do anything in front of 100,000 people or 110,000 people has got to be just nerve wracking. I got to see a game there. Uh, last season it wasn't the whiteout game but it, it was just a random game against Purdue and it was still rocking and sold out and it, it's a state college is crazy I mean that's a great great atmosphere easy choice I think between state college or Iowa State in my oh, opinion I, yeah I know as soon as I visit Penn State I'm like yeah I'm coming here like yeah, yeah I'm sold yeah probably only took one visit uh and and then you're in and I love it 
What was the uh, transfer process like for you? Were you looking anywhere else other than St. John's, or did you have your heart set there? I had my heart set St. John's. You know, I, I didn't want to go to, like, a smaller D1 and have a similar situation, like, coaches I didn't really connect with. Because, honestly, like, throughout the recruiting process, the only school I felt bad to say no was St. John's. So, like, going there, I knew I loved the coaches. You know, it's a special place up there and closer to home. And hopefully, like, start for four years you know I just wanted to play too and everything get a great education um so yeah honestly didn't look anywhere contacted coach Novak he was like a recruiting defensive coordinator and yeah they made the transition super easy for me so it went very smooth so it's two former Tommies here yeah three Why? three yep one hasn't chimed in yet but it's three former Tommies who are all on the team at one point why St. John's over St. Thomas? Was you, it just yeah. a location thing for you, or what, what is St. Thomas missing? Well, obviously St. Thomas had all the facilities, like all of that stuff, but honestly it was the coaching staff for me. Like St. John's, like like either just down to earth, I got along with them, and it just something about it kept like bringing me back. Like I didn't even like – my dad made me visit there. I wasn't going to like visit there recruiting. Hmm. And he went to Gustavus. He's a gusty, but he's like there's – up there so honestly it was the coaching staff and like Caruso kind of you you know like I was in he, he's great I'm like very fond of him admire him but like I was like yeah I don't know like the practice structure and everything I don't know it just didn't really excite me to go there. for sure and then uh, Knox Para was transferring too and I found out he was going there he's like I'm like yeah I'm not <laughs> to try to compete you know? <laughs> so it turned into an epic battle between you guys for a, a number of years and some Tommy Johnny games. We'll get into that in, in a little bit. But my question about Gary Fashion, is his hand just ginormous? Because I remember shaking his hand one time in high school. He had came to watch, uh, watch us play. And I remember shaking his hand after the game and just thinking, that guy has massive hands. It just, like, swallowed yeah. up my, my tiny high school hand. <laughs> He's got meaty hands for sure. You know, like almost baseball mitt type. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I remember. He's a great guy. He seems super nice. Oh, yeah, great guy. Super kind, but, man, he turns into a different person on game day. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a lot of do, but, yeah. And, and we've talked a, b- a little bit about, at least in the opener, I mentioned some of your stats uh, from St. John's. It was a highly productive four years for you there. Uh, you threw over 11,600 career passing yards, 139 touchdowns. You were the D3 Heisman. You were Mayak all-first team, I think, 2017. I think my player of the year and then D3football.com offensive player of the year. So that the accolades just go on and on. But would you say that the most important thing or you're most proud of is that Gallardi trophy winning that? It's hard not to, to be honest, because, you know, that symbolizes so much like, you know, like obviously on the field, but like off the field, you know, service too, and then academic in all aspects. So, it's really hard not to say that. Obviously, if we had a national championship, you know, I would have said that. Um, but we, we had some pretty good runs and got close too. And you know, those are those are some of my favorite memories by far too. Obviously, we came like, came close, but fell short a couple times. And yeah, I'm never, I don't know if I'll ever get over those. You know, yeah. but I would say Gallardi. And then honestly, like you know, our last two years we played you guys and like beating you guys. Those, those were pretty. pretty <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk a little Tommy Johnny. Uh, you didn't, did you start, you didn't start your first year, but you came in for the, uh, Martin, right? Who the wise quarterback. So I actually missed Martin. Um, and then I started four years for after him. Okay. Okay. So you, you started in three, but played in four, uh, Tommy Johnny's, am I thinking about that right or no? 
No, I, I all four years I was at St. John's. I started from the oh, start okay. The there we go. So I did it four. Okay, so two. You you won. You, you won your last two. Dropped the first two. Um, oh. Obviously, I, I would probably rather go out. You know, winning my last two. But we do have a former player on the team we played against. Parker's got a question for you. Uh, I think it's from the Allianz game. Is that right, Parker? Yeah, it is from the Allianz game. Uh, I, I don't know if you're going to remember this, um, but there's a there was a tall, scrawny kid on the defense, uh, number 24. Don't know if you remember him. Dn. Uh, he's an outside linebacker, I think. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. And at one point during the game, uh, you're about to run a play, and you go check, check, check. Point him out. You go pussy cat, pussy cat. And then you proceed to throw a touchdown. <laughs> Do you remember this? I I remember we were going at it all game. I I that sounds familiar and that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> I don't remember what touchdown play that sounds yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that, that tall scrawny kid's me, so oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember you were going at it all game. Oh, I think you I'm sure it was or something. I think you were you started off chirping. Maybe I didn't. Yeah. No, I it, it was probably I can, him. I can almost yeah. guarantee it was Parker. It was a, a smack yeah, on when you're on the ground or doing something. I mean, he he was definitely starting it. Especially the first two drives when I, you had like a sack, someone came up the middle, drilled me, and then the interception. So, yeah. yeah there's a lot going yep. on. <laughs> what atmosphere? <laughs> what atmosphere was better, do you think? Allianz? Or Target Field, or playing in Collegeville. I mean, I'm guessing you're gonna say Collegeville just because it's your home, your home stadium or whatever. But Allianz, that was that's hard for me to not choose as my favorite. I mean, yeah. it, it's but the only way it competes is because when it was at Collegeville, my junior year, is when um, Gallardi passed. Like, and mm-hmm. it was literally that week, so like it meant yeah. that much more. The atmosphere was crazy. Um, but Target Field was that that was so loud. Like we had to do like the clapping cadence. Like yeah. that was insane. Especially when you're always backed up and right by your student section, and we couldn't get out of there. So, um, yeah, that, that that atmosphere was insane and loud. But honestly, I just have a I don't like that memory as much because we obviously lost. Yeah. But gosh, it is so like I'm still like you know honored and like to be able to play. And I actually never played at your guys' stadium, but like I, don't yeah, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, we got robbed of that game. Target Field and Allianz. So I'm like, wouldn't give up playing there. That was incredible. Yeah, I do think I do think if we had to give up one stadium to not have the Tommy Johnny in, even though we're proud Tommy's here, it was probably the best that St. Thomas didn't have one of those games because Target Field Allianz automatically cool. But being in Collegeville, like Collegeville is a great stadium, kind of having that bowl effect yeah. and people sitting up on the hills mm-hmm. and just bleachers for for as far as you can see, it's a, it's a great stadium. Yeah, and and we, I'm glad that we got to go up there twice for it. Yeah. And for whenever we play, you would bring in the extra bleachers, so it like kind of feel. Yep, even bigger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's both. Bo- yeah, both of them are so awesome. So it, it's tough to choose, especially being a Johnny. You know, I'm not like yeah. I, I love playing in those venues and playing wrestling because they fill out. It's hard not you know playing in like double the amount of people. Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah, and, and it's sad. We're probably not going to get another Tommy Johnny, at least not for a long time. Uh, with with St. Thomas now moving up and or getting voted out and then having to to move up, what was your reaction to that news? I'm, I mean, I'm sure as a as a rival to St. Thomas, you're kind of sad to see that rivalry end. 
yeah you know at first i was like shocked i'm like there's no way like this could actually happen and then like, mm-hmm. second, like it might legit happen and i was pissed but i'm like okay i mean that sucks but like thank goodness i'm getting out when i am because you know you know i love playing you guys and i was obviously like one of the highlights of the year if not the highlight of the year every year and you know i just feel bad that like the tradition the rivalry is coming to an end and all like the future johnny's tommy's like won't get to experience that yeah it was uh it was fun while it lasted there was some electric yeah. games and some crazy atmospheres and if, if you've never seen a d3 football game it's a, it's a damn good one to go see because it's as impassionate fans as, as you'll find anywhere in the country, I think. And it, it's, it's 20,000 people if it's at St. John's or however many at Allianz or Target Field just losing their minds over football. It's pretty fun to watch. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about NCAA Board of Governors. So I read that you, along with a couple other players, uh, are, are on that board. Is that still, still the case? And what's kind of your role there? What, what do you do? So that was... Oh. I want to say two years ago, okay. two or one year ago. I can't remember. Time's so weird. I lose track. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird with this pandemic. I want to say two years ago is when it first started. It was going into like my senior year, and I got contacted. I still honestly don't know how I got contacted to be on it because I was one of three student athletes across all divisions. Yeah, to be on the board of governors where they're they're um, working on rewriting the new like NIL rights and that's name, image, and likeness for the yeah. NCAA student athletes. And it, it was a really cool experience. It hasn't, I haven't been involved as much anymore because kind of the board of governors uh, work is done as far as just kind of rewriting a proposition for legislation, um, seeing if they're going to accept or not or not. And yeah, just essentially whether or not athletes can get, you know, paid for use for third parties, whatever, having their name, image and likeness used. And I'm guessing you were pro paying the students or paying the, the college athletes? I was because yeah. this is different than like pay to play. This is used for name, image, and likeness. So this is like students being, or like, let's say like, like me being able to have a quarterback camp and get paid for it. Or let's say someone starting like, you know, like a clothing brand, you know, and being able to use their name, get profits off of that. Cause it's, it's a no brainer in my eyes. It's literally student athletes having the same rights as other students. You know, mm-hmm. you exactly. Exactly. So, now well, we're, we're on the same page with you there. Um, and I think it's important that in that conversation has been a hot topic recently. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next few years. Cause it seems like they're close. The NCAA is close to allowing that and for players to actually start making money off their names. I'm hoping because like, it's something that should have, this should have been a thing for a long time, you know? So it's about time and they, they've waited too long in my opinion, because now it's all different types of States all over rewriting their own rules and everything and allowing athletes to literally get paid to play essentially. So like, if those pass and they don't accept this, like the board of governors, like legislation there on um, the plan, like the NCA could be split up, like and championships won't be like, as we know it right now, it, it could change drastically in a couple of years. Yeah. And, and to switch to college basketball, I don't know if you're a college basketball fan, but just watching March madness and seeing the amount of revenue that's generated year in out year in and year in out from the, the college athletes, it's almost a billion dollars. It's hundreds and hundreds of millions every single year. And obviously the athletes don't see a penny of that. That goes directly to them for using their name, using their team's logos. Millions of dollars go to the small schools that make it to the Sweet 16, like the Cinderella teams, yet none of it go to the players. So I think it's past time, um, but it's about time that the momentum is gaining, um, seeing that NCAA football could become a video game again which would be awesome for the players and for the fans, as we all know, and I know. be able to throw throw 
a throw a touchdown with the Erdman name on the back of a jersey. That'd be something fun for us, and I'm sure you couldn't even imagine what that would be like. And that that is honestly, I remember when my dad got me like the old 506 NCAA college football video game, and that's like where my love for football like even took off even more. Like seeing the stadiums, the uniforms, the mascots playing with them. Like that, that's where I remember just falling in love with college football. And I was literally like in a room with like Ohio State, like at that director, Mark Emmert, like the, the president of the NCAA, all these conference like heads, chairmen, and everything. And I'm literally, they were going around asking like who, what we thought about the video game. And I, I'm there sitting there like fighting for it. I'm like, this is like surreal. Like I don't even know. I, I literally looked around. I'm like, how the hell am I here? Like I'm sitting next to all the presidents. You know, or like, yeah, of the universities, athletic directors. And I'm just, yeah, I was just in awe. Like, what That's crazy. So it, yeah. is it safe to say that you're the primary reason why college football and NCAA video game is coming back? Well, is it safe to say not, that? We would love to give you the credit. It, I'll take some of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not coming back is like what we knew it. Like, it's not like, like the names on the back and everything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, still iffy and everything, but I, I would love for that to come back. It needs to come back. You know? Yeah, I think we are all that age playing in middle school on like a PS2 or an Xbox 360 where your Saturday is devoted to creating a team and playing six games. And it was fun back then. But yeah, like you said, that absolutely fueled our desire for football and just playing at the college level and being inside of these stadiums and just having that attention as a player and getting that recognition. So. Yeah, that was really cool. Like you said, I, I, I could imagine how surreal that would be that they're asking you what you think about that as a college student. I know. Full circle. I'm like, all, I felt all the pressure of millions of, you know, people who play that video game. I'm like, we need this. Yeah. yeah it's really You're a man of the people. So we appreciate you getting that game back for us. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of people <laughs> could say that. We'll see if it happens. Yeah. Uh, so you graduated from St. John's spring of 2020. Uh, right in the midst of the pandemic, right? Yeah. And it, it's been a crazy year for, for everybody, really. And what's what's it been like for you trying to find a professional job? I know you played some fan-controlled league football, so we can talk about that as well. I know BG has some questions for you about that. But what's the last year been like for you? Yeah, so, sorry, just to quickly clarify. I graduated in December of 2019, so I literally right before shit hit. Gotcha, okay. Um, but, you know, I actually, like, messed up my ankle in our last Whitewater game, so I had surgery, and, you know, it was just rehab because I was going to be in the Gopher Pro Day. So, like, those first few months were, like, rehab, and I'm, the Gopher Pro Day was one of, like, I think it was almost or literally, like, the last D1 Pro Day. So I was like, okay, that plays in my favor, plenty of time for me to rehab and everything. And, like, two weeks before, and I was feeling good, healthy, was with Tyler Johnson, Shane Zilstra on the same page throwing, and then – that's when everything started getting canceled. So I ended up not playing in my favor, you know, like because a lot of the pro days still got in. Um, but so that was disappointing. And then I had like some rookie minicamp invites. Those ended up all getting canceled. CFL workouts, entire season canceled. So, you know, for a long time, I was just kind of like in a limbo, you know, like I was just like, oh, this sucks. I don't know what's going to happen. Luckily, I'm with a great agency, I face, so like that's Adam Thielen, CJ Camp. So I was able to train with a lot of those guys for like the last, or like the, months out of 2020 before they started up the season um so that was awesome just learning experience you know pretty big speed going from d3 to pro bowler out of dealing you know so just that and everything 
Um, but then, yeah, I had the opportunity. I went to the Spring League and down in Texas, and that kind of turned out to be a crap show with COVID. Got shut down and everything. Um, and then, yeah, I just got back from SCF a couple of weeks ago, and that was a much better experience. And, yeah, it was just fun to play again. Yeah. So I think FCF is a whole other conversation, and it's very interesting to us and those who may not know much about it. But I think that, Zach, if you're still with us, we can take a quick question from you. Um, don't know, no promises. This is going to be a very random question. I don't know if he knows much about you, but um, he's on our podcast every single time, and he's a unique guy, as you'll see. So, Zach, fire away with the question you got for him. Hey, Jackson, how's it going? Um, I, I I couldn't tell you about the subject of the F. Would you say the FCS? The FCF, FCF, yeah, FCF. Um, no worries. I I don't know what that is. To be quite honest with you, I I'm so sorry. I had my papers ready and everything. I was doing three hours of research before this interview. I don't know what FCF is. Do you have a oh, question um, for him? Are you asking what FCF is? or do you have a is, that, is that your question, Rick, or what? Before, before I ask that, I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Is it better to have loved and lost than to never loved at all, do you think? Oh, gosh. I would say it's better to have loved and lost because then you like still have some hope, you know, you like, you witness it, you had hope and then you're not like Debbie Downer when people ask you to like, Oh no, there's no such thing. Then you give them hope and you can inspire other people. I think you just inspired me to download Tinder again. Yeah. The pandemic, it's making people act a certain way. Um, yeah, sure. So sweet. Thanks man. Uh, what's uh, FCF? Thank you, Zach. <laughs> FCF. Um, so totally new, like, type of football. It stands for fan-controlled football. Okay. And, like, the first time I heard of it, I was like, what? Like, I like, you know, it, it's, like, essentially like an in-person Madden where fans call the plays. And the thing that got me hooked is it's live-streamed on Twitch, has some big, like, backers, like, like Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, Bob Mennery, Steve Will Do It, um... <laughs> oh, I didn't know he was in that. So many like owners, it's insane, and that that that's just like sports type. Like there's Bachelor, like Rachel Lindsay, like video games, Greg Miller, Austin Eckler podcast. Um, it, it's insane how many like different owners and like like Joe Montana was like live streaming or like um announcing the game sometimes and everything. But anyway, yeah, so it's like it's smaller field, so seven on seven like arena type football, but. Fans literally call the plays. It shows the team name, the team logos, everything about the league. They voted on, like, rules and everything. Um, so, yeah, interesting concept. And, you know, it, there was a lot of going, going with the flow for the inaugural season and everything. But overall, like, it was fun to play football again, get film. And, yeah, it was great people. So it was, it, was a, it was a fun experience. That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, were you ever at a time where you're like, oh, God, this fucking play? Like, what, what do we run in here? Like, or was it, like, most of the time just pretty much – just for fun. And you're like, all right, this, this is a weird play call, but we'll go with it. Um, and was everyone else on the same page with you? Most or of the time it was fun, you know, but I, I'm not, I'm a pocket passer and they kept the damn quarterback draw and run. <laughs> <laughs> I literally it out so many times, like do not call the QB run with me. And I, I got, I separated my shoulder on a QB run in the first game. Uh, and they called it out and oh, <laughs> They were tweeting at me after the game, like, sorry, we didn't mean to call that. We thought that was a regular run play. So, you know, <laughs> the first season, like, it's a lot of, like, 
like video like game like Twitch users too who don't don't necessarily know football. So yeah, it, it was interesting for sure. But we got better as we went along. So it could just be any random nine year old kid like calling out a play just from his bedroom. Yes, and it's like wow. in an asthmatic wild. They'll give you like six plays to choose from, so they're not going to give you just like random ass plays or whatever. They'll give you some, yeah, guess, ones you can choose on them, but. Yeah, still, there's some. We had trick plays and some crazy ones in there, too. So, yeah, it, it was fun. That's awesome. I just, cool. That's my question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to say this out loud something you said that um, it, it's a crazy time we're living in that you can say, yeah, fan tweeted out that, sorry, we ran the quarterback run. We meant to run an actual run with you. Like, fans actually controlling the game. Like, that is crazy. Yes. I couldn't imagine being on the field or like, okay, this isn't a video game. It's my actual body on the line against really good players. Like I've got linebackers, a whole defensive line in front of me, and this is the fifth quarterback draw of the game. Like, what are you guys doing to me? Yes. Like literally, um, DeAndre Francois, he was a Florida State quarterback and then went to Hampton. Yeah. We were on the same team when, and they literally kept calling quarterback draw to like, like, I could see his reaction. He was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> the fourth time. And he's like, I'm sick of, like, running this or whatever. We're not allowed to be audible. But I think he ended up still audible in one of them. And, like, even for me, like, in the championship game, they called a, quarter, a QB draw with me. This was, like, the sixth game of the season. I'm like, you'd think they'd know by now not to call it with me. And, anyway, like, we had a running back. So, like, okay, I'm just going to delay the draw to you. So, I mean, it worked out. But, um, yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, maybe not for you, but just <laughs> – as a fan and like knowing that's what's going through your guys' head, that is awesome. Yeah, it, it was fun. It's a crazy. I, I happened to just flip flipping through channels and I caught like the last two minutes of the championship game, and it was wild. It was even wild. The celebration afterwards was just chaos, and it was just like some yeah. guy up on the stage just screaming like "Hey, hey!" like trying to get everyone to quiet down, and it was it was a very interesting like. Very entertaining spectacle. They could work on the celebration a little bit. It needs to be a little more organized next year. Hey, they li- the celebration, they literally rained, like, dollar bills from the season. Oh, my God. <laughs> they told me, like, why pay for confetti and cleanup when you can just use the money you pay for confetti and cleanup to rain from the season? <laughs> genius. That's a genius idea. Well, that they got that going for them. Right? Sure. I know. I was a fan of that for sure. Definitely. So, so you ended up winning the championship. Congrats for that. Um, the season ended in February. Is that right? Uh, like late March, late March. Oh, okay. So just about two or three weeks ago. then. Yeah, exactly. I saw on FCF's website that you are the franchised player for the wild aces, right? Yep. Does each team get one franchise player or one on offense, one on defense? So at the start of the season, like before the season started, each team got to franchise tag one player. And for those listening that have no idea what FCF is, like the teams change every week. It's kind of like fantasy football where every week, like the fans for a team will draft a quarterback, running back, multiple wide receivers, tight ends. Huh. So it's kind of a combination of like in-person Madden, like live man, and then fantasy football in that aspect where your team changes every week. And you just okay. switch up the draft. So when you're franchise tag, you're on that team for the entire season. So I got franchise tag like at the beginning of the season. So I was with my team, the Wild Aces, for yeah, the entire season, and each week they added a franchise tag. So by the end of the season, like each team had like four, five, six, depending how long you played on um, franchise tag players. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, I didn't know the team switched around each week, but franchising a tagger then would or franchising a player then would make sense. So, but it's obviously different than like franchising a quarterback in the NFL, where they're most likely going to be there for at least three years or something. 
your franchise tag or your contract with the FCF is only good for one season? Correct. Yep. Okay. So is it, is it good to say that you, you don't know if you're going to be back in the FCF next season or maybe because of the quarterback draws, you're hoping that you're not in the FCF next season? Yeah. I mean, at, at the start, they didn't know like this being the inaugural season. They didn't know how it was going to be. They didn't know if there was going to be a season two. So all of our contracts were one season and it ended up being successful. So they're playing a second season, I think later this year, but um, yeah, I'm hoping, you know, something comes up, you know, as far as like NFL, CFL wise, but FCF was a blast. So if nothing came up, I'd, it'd be hard not to go back for season two. Yeah, definitely. And you, and you did enough. just have a pro day uh, at the University of Minnesota. I think it was April 1st, um, I, yeah. I want to say. How, you, I, I read that you and Bateman were clicking pretty well, and I know you two have worked out together in the past. How did that go? Was, was it a pretty successful pro day in your mind? I thought so. I, I thought it went very well overall. Like, I, I literally just got back from um, FCF, so like I had – to somewhat get ready and the pro day was on a Thursday so that Monday was the first time Rashad and I threw together in a while and just being on a big field again because FCF feels smaller like significantly smaller it was just weird seeing someone line up that far so the first day back I, I was like god awful I like was like missing him underthrowing him because he's like fast as shit super fast so I was like cool like I, I was nervous and then like you know the next day like we were clicking better kind of shook some of the dust off and then Thursday, like, we were solid for the most part. So, you know, I, I was relieved, and I thought I did well. And I, I, we didn't know what the format was going to be. It's a little weird with the COVID pro days. Like, you, you, like we had a script somewhat. We didn't know if the scout was going to come in, take over, and say, do this, this, this. Um, and what ended up happening. But despite that, you know, we ran the routes to each other. And, yeah, it, it was fun. And it, it sounds like the, the pro day for you went well. Um, as I was reading up on your pro day, it sounds like the Chicago Bears showed some interest in you and you may or may not have talked to to them after that pro day as well as some other teams. But um, how did that conversation go with the Bears and if any other teams were at the pro day and interested in you? I talked to a couple. Like, I recognized some because, like, at St. John's with, like, Ben Barch and I, like, I think we had all 32 teams, like, come in and visit us at St. John's our senior. Um, oh, yeah. I recognized a couple at the pro day, like from that, and like specifically the Bears. They came up and they're like, "Hey, like you, you, you developed a lot. Like you're looking good." We texted. I, I don't know who they said I didn't catch up. They're like they, they were a big fan of you. I think for the Bears, or like we texted them saying you look good. Um, and again, like I, I'm so lucky to be with IFA Institute for Athletes. Great agencies. Like they're able to handle and take care of all that. But yeah, honestly, I'm hoping for like a free agent deal. That would be incredible. Otherwise, rookie mini camps if they have those. I don't know if they will this year, um, but I, or as TFL, I would love going to Canada and playing football there too. Yeah, and, and you've had a, a fair number of media requests. It seems like I've been just just googling your name. There's a bunch of stories recently. I think Fox News did something. I don't know if that was the national or local Fox or whatever. And then there was like a UK article from maybe that was from a year or so ago. Yeah. I saw the UK one. That one stood out to me. Yeah. (laughs) I I read through most of that. And then there was also a Vikings uh, podcast, Vikings for the win podcast that did a YouTube video. Did you watch that about why the Vikings should pick you up? Yeah. I think that one was a little older. Okay. Talk to me. <laughs> and I no, just he didn't. Yeah. Someone <laughs> sent it to me. I was like, "What?" Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just saw it today on when I was looking through stuff. Um, but how many interviews have you done in in the last say year since since you left St. Oh, John's? I honestly couldn't even tell you. A ton, though, huh? 
it's like I had one this morning, like especially with FCF too, like FCF, like hype the numbers up mm-hmm. and everything. So I, I try to do my best to like, I got, I got to get, I'm, I'm so unorganized. Like I don't have like Google calendar or whatever. So I'm literally scrolling through like DMs. Like, okay, I think this one was today or like this one's tomorrow yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, it, it's been, yeah, a solid number. I, I can't really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot. And it's, especially if you're going to be a D three guy going to the NFL, you're going to get that extra attention. Cause that's very unusual. I'm sure Ben experienced that quite a bit. I know he did this, this last year, especially at the, at his pro day, they were talking all about a smoothie that he made. You ever try one of those smoothies? No. Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would always see him. Yeah. He'd always be eating or ripping those smoothies, but yeah, no, I stay clear from those. <laughs> yeah. Smart idea. And just so, just so people know what we're talking about, because like, like we've said, they talked about it um, on NFL Network coming up with the draft and all that. But if you don't know, in that smoothie he had, and this is the offensive lineman for St. John's, um, seven eggs, cottage cheese, grits, peanut butter, banana, and Gatorade. <laughs> Which Man. all might, some of them are like questionable by themselves yeah. if you're going to eat it, like yeah. cottage cheese, grits. Yeah. But to combine six of those. Yeah. And to you, you sound like an offensive lineman. Not even milk or something. He uses like Gatorade. To mix it <laughs> yeah, it just sounds awful. I mean, yeah, the Gatorade is the worst part. You know, it's like all these other different foods and then just a sugary drink to add into there. Like, oh, just... I don't care. He's an interesting guy, but it, his transformation is insane too. You can yeah. just look at the pictures on the website. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it worked for him for the, sure. The results speak for themselves. So maybe you need to crack into that. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, not me. I don't need to gain that weight. <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah, true. Uh, Parker, any other questions? Any other football-related stuff you have for Jackson? You know, I don't have any other questions. I just want to say thank you for uh, ending um, my college career with a loss. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I do have an immense amount of respect for you. Uh, you were a stand-up guy when we talked after the game. So I appreciate that. And I wish you luck on your future endeavors. Thanks bro. I appreciate that. You as well. Zach, I, I know you've got a question for. Yeah, Zach, you got one more in there. Before he goes. In that Believe it or not, I don't, I, I think you guys covered it. You guys covered it pretty well. Um, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't need to talk any, any further about Tinder or anything like that. So it's all good. I, I've, I've said all I needed to say. There we go. Go Thank you for for taking the time. You do need some help with your schedule and you need a manager. I think, uh, I think Zach's looking for a job. (laughs) Really? He'd be the worst one to hire with the schedule. Yeah, dude. But I understand where you're going with that Google calendar thing, man. I text myself sometimes and then I'm looking back at my text messages like, well, okay, what do I got going today? Like I texted myself and then sometimes they don't send. It's a mess, man. It's a mess. I understand you. So I do that all the time. I pick like, I I have like a friend, you know, he's, and he just knows to dismiss it. And, you know, it's just mental for me. Just like texting mm-hmm. like anything pretty much after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll text myself and I'm like, be surprised I get a text message. Oh, shit, yeah, I just text myself. And then, <laughs> then I'll never check my phone. My alarm goes off. I'm like, I don't know what I got to wake up for. So, yeah. I, if you ever figure out a way to organize yourself better, let me know. Because I, uh, I, I think that's the reason why I'll be in school for the next 25 years. Hey, same thing. <laughs> All right, go follow Jackson Erdman at Jerdy, I think G or J E R D Y dude, Jerdy dude on I think he's at everything. And also I wanted to I wanted to mention Jackson. Did you know that there's a Twitter account called 
and this is the name of the Twitter account, Jackson Erdman fan account. And then the bio says the Packers should have taken Jackson Erdman in the first, not Jordan Love. Convince me oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> and that's that's the only mention of you. There's like 20 or 30 tweets on the Twitter account, but that's the only time he mentions you is in the in the name and in his bio. And then it's just all like Packer tweets or other tweets. But he loves you. You got a big fan somewhere <laughs> in Wisconsin. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take fans anywhere. But no, that's hilarious. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. I was trying to I was trying to find you on on Twitter. I typed in Jackson Erdman, and the first thing that comes up is Jackson Erdman fan account. I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. Got to click oh. on that. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Yeah. As long as it's good, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's all love there. Thank you for your time, Jackson. Good luck the the rest of this off season, and I hope you find somewhere. Hopefully, Minnesota is is calling you and giving you a chance in rookie camp because hey. we'd love to see you and some Vikings colors. Thanks for having me on. And a special thanks to Jackson Erdman for calling in. Truly fun to talk to him, fellas. Let's talk a little Masters. Um, Hideki, getting it done for Japan. Uh, First Asian-born player to ever win um, the Masters. Isn't that right, Andy? Uh, I mean, that's that's what they said. I, I, I have no idea what Fiji would be considered because Vijay Singh won a won a Masters. Good point. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if Fiji's considered Asia. I get. Yeah, um, I don't know. But uh, yeah. um, I mean, so that's that's not for this podcast to answer. <laughs> but um, first Japanese golfer to win, which is kind of amazing when you consider how popular the sport is over there. I mean, they have. I think they said like they have. Uh, one of the highest rates of golfers per capita, uh, like in the world. Um, oh, wow. It's it's an insanely popular sport. It was introduced there, like a whole it was about a hundred years ago. I mean, it's not long after it you know became really popular here in the U.S. So I mean, for it to take this long for a Japanese golfer to win um, win a major and, and win the Masters um, is is pretty amazing. And I mean, Hideki played so well. Uh, I mean, obviously on, on, on Saturday after the rain delay, he just played lights out, but Sunday too, with, you know, with that lead, I mean, he did exactly what he needed to do to, um, uh, to hold on and, and, and win that thing. Um, tons of, of great par saves all week, rolled in some really long putts. Uh, I mean, he definitely deserved it. Um, and, uh, yeah, like it was, um, uh, it was a great Masters and and great for for the country of Japan. I mean, the the Japanese media, as they've talked about, is going to be absolutely all over him. Um, I mean, he's going to be. I mean, I, I don't know if 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 you can say that he's going to become as big as Ichiro is in Japan, but he's you know definitely on another level now over in that country, mm-hmm. um, which is which is pretty great for the game. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's what they were talking about on the broadcast. All of that. Second nine. Are they calling it the second nine now? Kind of a sidebar here. I think instead of the back I, nine, I, what is that? Yeah, that's that's what they've kind of like that I, I don't know what that was. Um but yeah, I, I noticed that that's what um yeah uh that, that that's what they were calling it there. But yeah, I mean it, it's incredible for Japan and now the Olympics going there next year. It'd be interesting. Who's gonna light the torch, Andy? Ian Baker Finch and Fall, though, we're pretty convinced that it's going to be Hideki, but it's going to be tough with Ichiro. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I, I, I'm i going to be completely honest. I just got an email 
Uh, uh, do you want to repeat what you're saying there, buddy? <laughs> Who, who's going to light the torch? The is it going to be Hideki uh, at the Olympic opening ceremony, oh, or is it going to be Ichi? Um, I think it has. To, I mean, Ichiro is like it. It is a complete another level, like with Ichiro and Japan. I mean, he is like far and away like the top athlete from. Um, from Japan. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't see anyone else. I'm trying to think like Olympic wise, like what sports they traditionally compete, um, like compete well in, in the summer Olympics. Um, but, um, yeah, like Ichiro, um, I mean, like Ichiro is one who, um, like spoke fine English, um, uh, but never spoke English like to the media. Um, spoken Japanese because it um, because he knew that what he said was going to make bigger headlines in Japan uh, as opposed to in the U.S. So by speaking in Japanese to the media, there's no worry of anything getting lost in translation. Um, and I, at least from what I've gathered, like you know Hideki used a translator. Um, he his his English. I think he like he can carry conversations. Um, but with, again, with that Japanese media, like it's, it's about not making sure that something doesn't get lost in translation. If you're speaking English and it gets translated back over and then also vice versa, if your English, you know, if it's your spec- second language, you want to make sure your point is, is, is taken. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, a definitely going to be, you know, the crowds fall on him for the, um, you know, for the, uh, the, the golf portion of the Olympics is going to be insane. And there's gonna be a ton of pressure on him to, uh, to compete, um, in, in the golf portion. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the Olympics are, Olympics are fast approaching over there. They certainly are. And if he puts like you did this last week, he'll have a damn good chance in the Olympics. BG, did you catch any of the masters this weekend? Did you get any, any action on Sunday? I did not. And I have no reactions. Other than I saw that the Japanese guy won, and I yep. think that's pretty cool. That yep. was his first time, or Japan's um, first time, and obviously Japan's really passionate about their sports, especially when it's internationally reaching and something as big as the Masters. So without having too much of a leg in the race, I, I think it's cool that the um, Japanese guy won. Yeah, and it was a good Sunday. It wasn't a great Sunday. It wasn't an all-time Sunday at the Masters, but it was a good Sunday. I mean, there was some drama for sure. Uh, Hideki, his first tee shot, I mean, that was kind of opening it up, you know, a rough start to the first hole of, of Sunday at the Masters when you're leading by four shots. But he rallied and, just, and had some moments, too, where it looked like he might fall. But, Andy, he hung on all day. Yeah, and then you, you had Will Zalatoris go birdie-birdie, and, you know, on the third hole, it was just one shot separating him. And, and Will Zalatoris is a guy who, playing in his first Masters, he doesn't even have full PGA Tour status. Mm-hmm. He qualified his way into the U.S. Open last year um, and finished top 10 there. Yeah, he got six. Um, uh, yeah, qual- qualified his way then into, into the Masters. Um, that, guy can, um, that guy can move the ball left and right um, like no other. Um, I mean, it is, um, I mean, those, those tour guys can move the ball left and right. Um, but typically they'll stick to, um, you know, one, if they can play a shot shape, you know, if they can, a lot of them, it's a fade, they'll stick with that fade, you know, as often as they can, whenever they can. 
and Zalatoris hits, you know, not just like with his irons, but with his drivers hitting big looping, you know, kind of hook draws, um, you know, little baby cuts, like hitting all these different shot shapes into these tough Augusta greens. Um, I had a guy that I golfed with down in Florida back in January who was talking about, you know, Zalatoris is going to be the next guy or the next young guy who's going to make a splash. Um, and, um, you know, so that's, that's at least when he kind of got on my radar, but to see him at the top of the leaderboard was, uh, was awesome. And just to see a guy who hasn't, you know, played those green before, um, you know, putting well, playing around there well is always, always fun to see. Yeah. You're going to have to call that guy back. Whoever it was, ask him for some more picks, Andy, cause that's a, that's a good pick a couple <laughs> months ago. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy who watches as much corn fairy golf as he watches a uh, PJ tour golf. This go. is, this is, you know, he's, he's a, uh, as he jokes, he has a TV that's just always on golf channel at all times in his house. I love it. Absolutely love it. Maybe that's the Monday Q guy. You know, that guy yeah. on Twitter, <laughs> Monday Q info uh-huh. or whatever it is. That's a good Twitter. Uh-huh. Call. He's got a lot of corn fairy action, corn fed tour, uh, according to Ben Siegel. Uh, my other favorite moment from, from this weekend was after the tournament, Hideki's caddy bowing to the golf course after he put the flag stick back in on 18, bows to the golf course out of respect. That was just yep. awesome. So awesome. Yeah, I saw that. That was cool. I yeah. like that. And that's got to be fun for, for the caddy too. I mean, both of them kind of alone basically in, in that PGA Tour event where and probably in every bet, you know, they feel like it's kind of them versus the world. They speak the same language. They don't probably speak great English. They can conversate with their playing partners, I'm sure, but it's just kind of them two. And they're just talking over things, talking over shots and pretty cool moment for those two guys to, uh, I, I, th- I think it was Xander Shoffley who said that, um, his grandparents might be Japanese or he, he knows some Japanese and that he, like grew, like he, he was telling a bunch of Jap- like jokes in Japanese to Hideki while they're playing together. <laughs> so Xander might like loosen them up without, uh, <laughs> yeah. when, when maybe he, uh, he shouldn't have been worried about that. Yeah. And, and Xander made it close too. I mean, if, if he has a better tee shot on 16, puts that on the green somewhere mm-hmm. and, and rolls one in for birdie, it's a, it's a ball game. It's anyone's game with two holes to go, but put one in the water and then put the next one over the green and ends up making a six and it's all over. All right, let's talk a little Minnesota Timberwolves. Some huge news this week. A-Rod and another guy who I can't remember his name now have uh, agreed to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves from Glenn Taylor in, what, two years' time? Glenn's going to own it for two more years. And then A-Rod and his partner are going to uh, assume ownership of the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx. Fellas, your reaction? I, I, I think it's hilarious that all the headlines are, you know, Alex Rodriguez and billionaire buying Timberwolves. Like yeah. Alex Rodriguez is Alex Rodriguez is probably contributing like $10 million to the, you know, $1.5 billion deal. Like he's just kind of, kind of like with Derek Jeter and the Marlins, like he's going to be kind of the public face of it. Um, I think it's hilarious that a kid from Miami who played in some of the largest media markets, you know, decide like he wanted to get into the ownership sports ownership business so bad that he was like, screw it. Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, fuck it. Let's go to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't really have a huge reaction to it other than like, we got a new owner. Hopefully you get some new blood in there. I mean, they got a, a new GM as, as of a year and a half ago. We've talked a lot about him, Garrison Rosas. 
And they've had you know, all kinds of different players the last five years on this roster. But maybe a new ownership group will help. I mean, it can't hurt at this point. Yeah. No, I'm with you. At this point, that's what I was thinking. Like, nothing can hurt. It doesn't matter who's going to buy it. We're at an all-time low. Everybody knows the Tim Rules are a joke of a franchise. So I, w- I wasn't really sure how to react, and I was pretty shocked when I heard the news because it's not like – it was news that was building up, like if Kevin Garnett and his group decided to buy it because his name was in the running for a while. But maybe I missed it, but I, did, I had no idea that A-Rod was even considering um, buying the Timberwolves. I knew he was interested in buying a team, like he tried to with the New York Mets being the owner there, but no idea that he would cross into the NBA and choose the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was quite shocking to me. But, yeah, yeah I, the other guy's name is Mark Lore. I think, and he's a big Walmart guy, was in oh, charge okay. of like Walmart's e-commerce. Okay. Um, yep. And he would actually have the money to support it. But it's, I I mean, I hope that in the future, A-Rod and Mark Lore, if they do actually become the owner, because it hasn't happened yet, that they keep the team in Minnesota, which I know is what Glenn Taylor said, that I'm only selling to somebody who would keep the team in Minnesota. And that's great if you're saying that up front, but to have somebody go back on their word, it would be a rod to do that. The guy who is <laughs> yeah. known for being slimy, <laughs> a cheater. So I hope you, they stay here. And that's, if they do, that's all I really care about. Yeah. I, I think John Krasinski had a, a series of tweets about it, that the, the NBA is more focused on uh, expansion as opposed to relocation um, when it comes to teams. And you have to remember too, with, um, with the team moving, all the other owners have to approve of the move. Um, and um, just kind of looking at past uh, or other sports um, teams, uh, very rarely do you see teams uh, or owners willing to take a new owner and then let them move the team, especially, you know, like some of the exceptions are, you know, obviously the, the Seattle Supersonics to uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, but Oklahoma City wasn't like a major market. Um, I mean, I could think of maybe a dozen NBA teams that, you know, would probably, you know, the owners might like to move to a place like Las Vegas, you know, it's kind of the most talked about place, but I don't think the NBA owners let a new owner come in and then immediately move a team to a market that they might want to move that, you know, their, their team to, I think at least, when I say short term, you know, maybe first couple of years uh, of, of them in, uh, in the uh, ownership uh, box. Um, I mean, I think this team's going to be in Minnesota for a little bit, but you know, come ten years from now, who knows what's uh, what's going to be? Wow, you just dramatically reversed your take. At the start of the take was like, great, okay, T Wolves are staying here. By the end of that, it's like, okay, they're gone now in what? ten years. What? What? I hope I hope you're wrong, Andy. I hope they're not gone. And I think you're right about the expansion versus relocation. I mean, Minneapolis is a fairly big city. I think it's definitely big enough to support a franchise. They just suck. I mean, they they just suck. The fans, I don't think you can blame that for. It's not like for a lack of passion from the city or anything like that. The team just sucks. And the front office has sucked for a long time. And they made all the wrong moves. And so it would be very heartbreaking if the team moves. And if they do, we riot, fellas. We definitely riot. <laughs> Yeah, Minnesota has all four major teams, which you can only only handful of cities have. There's definitely the draw, and Minnesota is a basketball state, um, produces a lot of players. Players, uh, people love basketball here, so I'd really be bummed out if Minnesota loses a team. But 
I ultimately think because that's Glenn Taylor's huge point that I'm only selling to somebody who stays in Minnesota. And if A-Rod and Mark Bloor um, do become the new owners, they said to uh, Glenn Taylor that we want you to stay on board for the first two years because I was reading something that said A-Rod said, I don't know much about basketball or about the business of basketball to be transparent. And I want you to show that to us. So it's kind of more of a transition instead of just a transaction. So at least that sounds good from the get go. But like I said, those are, those are just words. Those are just words. We'll see what happens. Hopefully A-Rod does end up buying the team and keeping the team here. I think that'd be a good scenario for us. Uh, But that'll do it for today. We'll be back later this week talking more Twins baseball and any other news that comes up. Maybe a little bit of Vikings news, some NFL talkers as well. We will see you guys all then. And day after day I'm more confused And I look for the light in the pouring rain You know that's a game I hate to lose And I'm feeling strange Oh, ain't it a shame? Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away, yeah Beginning to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you to carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away, My mind is free, you know melody can move me, and when I'm feeling blue, the guitar's coming through to soothe me, thanks for the joy that you've given me. I want you to know that I believe in your soul Oh yeah Rhythm and rhyme harmony You help me along Oh, making me strong Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Drift away Don't, don't, don't Give me the beat, boys Free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Don't you take me away